Welcome to Change by Attraction, a podcast for people who want to change something in their organization. I'm your host, Esther Derby, author of Seven Rules for Positive Productive Change. Today I want to talk about the zone of proximal development and landing zones. We're going to be in the zone. So what is the zone of proximal development? It's a construct that comes from educational psychology, but I think it's super applicable to organizational learning as well. So think about three concentric circles. The inner circle is what the organization can do now based on what people know, the processes they use, how they think about things. The outer circle is what people can't yet do. It's the potential of the organization. This is where people want to land when they think about a vision or a big audacious goal or some other big improvement. In between those two circles is the zone of proximal development. This is what people can do with some guidance and support. It's the stuff they're on the cusp of being able to do but really haven't mastered yet. This is where you have to start to achieve a radical improvement. You don't leap into potential. You have to cross the zone. You can't do that in one big leap. It doesn't work that way. To cross the zone, you have to know where you are, what skills, what knowledge, what understanding people currently have, what your processes are, and then you have to think about the nearest neighbor. What people could do with some additional support. What might they be able to do, you know, if the processes worked better? You know, not the big leap, just the nearest neighbor skills, the nearest neighbor results. So that support might take the form of training, consulting, working with coaches who have specific sorts of expertise. It might mean fixing a broken process that makes competent people appear inept. And to do that, I, I work with what I call landing zones, which is a term I borrowed from Rebecca Worfsbrock. A landing zone is a pause point along the way to reaching a potential. It's a place where you can pause in the journey and take stock. Landing zones describe where you want to get to ultimately and where you want to get to next. It gives some interim goals and some outcome measures that allow people to recognize they're making progress, which is very motivating for people. Uh, And it's also very useful to justify continued attention and budget. It shows people you're making progress. So when I do this, I ask people to characterize the best possible state and what would be worse than the way things are now. These act as sort of bookends. Then we start to characterize the current state, how things are now. We have to know where we are now. Change always starts with where you are now. From there, we can think about what the near neighbor is, something just slightly beyond what people are doing now. Because they're on the verge of being able to do that with some scaffolding and with some support. Then we think about the next better thing, And usually I don't do more than that because it's hard to see from where you stand now where you need to go, you know, two steps down the road. But you can always revise and add more landing zones. And in fact, you'll probably will as you learn more about what's needed and how realistic the best possible state is. 
Here's an example from a group I worked with. They had quality problems which were causing some very expensive contingency clauses to be invoked in their contracts because customers were unhappy. So these client cases, as they called them, cost a lot of money, they were bad for their reputation, and they created a lot of angst and work in the organization, just kind of managing things and working with customers and trying to solve specific problems. So, of course, they wanted to eliminate these entirely, which I get. No more client cases would be a wondrous thing. But it wasn't really very realistic based on their code quality and their development practices. So they decided to focus on improving their testing so at least they could find problems earlier and maybe know when things were too buggy to ship. So their best case was no more client cases. Their worst case was more client cases and their numbers trending up. Their current situation was that bugs were found late in the process, sometimes by the customers. People had inconsistent definitions of various types of testing, which meant they struggled to have a constructive conversation about testing. And people would walk away from the same discussion with vastly different understandings of what sort of testing was going to happen or had happened and what the implications were. And they were also really inconsistent on how much testing teams did. Not that every team should test in the same way or has to test in the same way, but some did no unit testing, while others relied entirely on manual tests, which made things really slow. Uh, so, so even the basics weren't consistently practiced. They decided that their near neighbor, their next best thing was to start using consistent definitions of testing terms so that people were talking about the same thing and could have a useful conversation about it and have a shared understanding. They decided to start testing earlier in their cycle, which is almost always a good thing. So they had some steering signals to tell them, you know, early on if they were making progress, and they hoped to see their defect trends improve. Their next big step after that was to have reliable information on the state and quality of the system under test that was readily available. So they didn't have to talk to dozens of people and try to figure out what was going on, that, that people could know reliably whether the system was you know, in condition to ship or not. So now they had a way to start crossing that zone of proximal development. They were no longer hoping for a big leap. They could put some realistic plans in place, and they had some idea of what to work on. Now, at this point, many companies call for training. They just put a training plan in place. Now, training can impart explicit knowledge, but that's not enough. The zone of proximal development theory talks about how important the social component of learning is, that people deepen their understanding of a topic through dialogue and collaborative activities. So let me talk about explicit and implicit knowledge for a minute. Explicit knowledge is the stuff that's easy to write down, easy to codify, easy to test for. It's the kind of stuff that we often receive in training um, it's the kind of knowledge that is contained in a predefined process or framework. And it may be a starting point, but it won't really lead you to solving organizational problems, at least not without the judgment that comes from implicit knowledge. 
That's the kind of knowledge that comes from experience and from interactions around experience. In the landing zone examples that I just talked about, explicit knowledge might be the agreed-upon definitions of testing. Different groups might need to learn the what and how of various testing practices. That's explicit knowledge. But they also needed to be able to make judgments about how much to test and which areas of the system were risky and which needed more attention, when they needed to do exploratory testing, when to automate, when to rely on checks. Those are all judgment calls, some of which you can learn in a class, but a lot of which you learn from experience or from working with people who have greater experience and expertise. So to deal with that aspect of learning, they could work with experts and have that expert work out loud, talk through their thought processes, they work through problems so that people could understand why that expert was choosing the options they chose and discarding others. They could have people with greater relevant experience work through problems with those who had less. And that might be people within the organization because there were pockets of the organization that were doing well at various types of testing. They could work with other people who needed to learn those skills. Um, or they could be people from outside who come in to support and mentor. They might consider setting up guilds where knowledge sharing was a really a stated goal. So these things help people gain the know when and the know why not just the know what and know how. It sets people up to make judgments and adaptations. It deepens their understanding of a topic, and it starts crossing the zone of proximal development because they master these skills through those social processes. So don't try to take the leap. You'll only fall. Take the next step. Step into that zone. Get to the next landing zone. Then pause and reassess. Celebrate your achievements. Acknowledge what you've learned. Look back and see how far you've come. Figure out where your new zone of proximal development is and step into that. The really nice thing is the zone of what you know will just keep getting bigger. I'd love to know how these ideas resonate with you. So drop me an email at esther at estherderby.com and let me know. I'd love to hear these things. And I'll have another episode for you next month.